This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cami here. Well, we are doing it again. Our best of episodes that we've done every year that we've had this show. And we're starting off so strong. This is our best of episode one. And who is on this podcast, this single podcast? I can't believe I spoke to these people this year. Haley Kiyoko, Brandy Carlisle, and Alaska Thunderfuck. All on one episode of what this podcast has had a great year. Please enjoy this best of volume one. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still I met my my first lesbian at like 21. Like, <laughs> I know I... My first lesbian is a doll that I should sell. <laughs> well, I just want me? you to know that I'm sure I met many queer people up to that point. But like the first out lesbian, I'll never forget. We like went to Tender Greens and she was in my acting class. Awesome. And I had heard that she was a lesbian. And I was like thinking, oh my gosh, I'm a lesbian too. And so... I sat her down and then, you know, I started bursting into tears and I was like, I'm gay. <laughs> and she was like, cool. Yeah. And then there was just silence and I looked at her and she looked at me and we moved on. And she just like completely normalized this experience that felt like trauma my whole life. Um, and from that point on, I was able to live my truth, you know, fully, publicly, um, you know, with everyone I encounter. Do you do you remember this person's the other person's age? Were they your same age or were they like a little older than you? She was I think she was a couple years older than me. I think every queer person has this one person or yes. will meet that one person. It yes. could be, you know, like I said, myself being myself, and maybe we don't meet in person, but there's always this one person that kind of just like normalizes these feelings for you. And then you go, oh, I'm my worst enemy. Like, oh, I can do this. Yeah. Oh, like, I just need to own who I am. And yes, some people will judge me, but a lot of the judgment is just projection. So I can do this. And so it just clicks with you. And so that obviously can't be rushed. Um, again, like I'm not like a professional, like, you know, psychologist or something like that. But I'm just saying that, like, that process can't be rushed and everyone goes at their own pace, but everyone has that moment. And I think that for me in my music and everything I do, my goal is to do something that hopefully can help someone else's experience be easier or become easier or essentially normalize the experience um, in case they haven't met someone in person or... Um, they're not surrounded by people like themselves. Um, and so that's always Yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, that's, it's funny. There's, you know, there's that song Ring of Keys that's in the musical Fun Home that is about a young kid seeing a delivery driver, like a UPS delivery driver, and identifying the queerness about, like, 
these this pair of shorts and like this certain butch attitude. Um, and I remember as a little kid identifying, like I loved Mary Stuart Masterson's character in the movie Fried Green Tomatoes because she's like a little masculine of center kid. And I was mm-hmm. like, me too. But it's very different. But I didn't understand yeah. what was going on. I was just like, she likes to fight with flower yeah. with her friends, yeah. you know, like, but mm-hmm. then it's very different when you encounter that person who's really like living the life for that first time. My first boss was the first yeah. person who, like, I very tearfully came out to her as dating one of my coworkers, which we were not supposed to do. And then she came out back mm-hmm. t- to me at also dating one of wow. her coworkers, which was wow. a truly wild experience. But, um, you know, it's different after you've met that person who's an adult, who's living the, yeah. um, the full life. And I, I do agree that sometimes that's a person you meet in real life. And sometimes that is also, that might be you. You know, that might be you via your Instagram mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, somebody might. Yeah, or it exactly. could be a song or it could be a video or it'd be someone that you follow. And I think that the the core of this combo is, is that like, you know, believing is seeing or seeing is believing. Right. And so like if you see success, if you see someone that's like you that succeeds and finds love and can find happiness, then it's proof that you Do can you feel- too. Specifically in, so like when I was a kid growing up, or then even as I started dating, I, there were like not Mm -hmm. songs that I could identify as, I mean, I liked George Michael, Mm -hmm. but I truly thought he was actually singing about (laughs) teachers. Anyway, um, (laughs) but you know, and I liked David Bowie. I just didn't understand like what was going on, but I remember like I would listen to a Beach Boys, the Beach Boys song, then I kissed her and I'd be like, this is a gay song. Mm -hmm. I'm kissing a girl. Like, I this kissed is my me. song. Yes, they exactly. wrote this for me. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't really get the one-to-one experience that somebody might get listening to your music. Did you have that growing up? Did you have anybody who you felt like was singing a song you, that directly applied to your life? Um, I mean, Tegan and Sarah, they were like, I mean, they were that. They were probably the only that that I had. Like they, you know, were queer and, you know, they, um, they, I, I think, I, I think a lot of the, the, the times, I'm not sure what pronouns they used, but I just knew that they liked girls. And so when I listened to their music, I was like, oh, this music's yeah. for me. And like that, they were like a huge influence on myself, just seeing, seeing them. They had like, you know, the short spiky hair. I had the short spiky hair and like, Again, seeing them, you know, be successful and people buying tickets to their concerts proved that they weren't aliens <laughs> right. like I felt. You know, I was like, oh, cool. I'm not an alien. They're not an alien. And, like, maybe someone will purchase a ticket to come see me one day. So I listened to them a lot. But I did a lot of – so they were, like, top of my playlist. But I also – I did a lot of replacements. So, you know, I'd listen to – Pink, or I listen to like Lincoln Park, or I listen. I just listen. I listen to All American Rejects, and you know, and I would make it gay. I would make it what I needed it to be in my head. Um, I think right now, being in twenty twenty one, is such a great time because I feel like there's so much more representation, um, especially in the music industry. Um, 
that are very specific to certain perspectives and genders and sexualities. And I think that that's really, really inspiring um, for, you know, younger generations, like you said, to have someone very specifically be like them. And I think that that is huge for someone's yeah, confidence. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. I know. I mean, sadly for me, I, both Tegan and Sarah, since they're twins, are one year older than me. So I was like living life with them as opposed to being able to um, oh, wow. okay, listen so, to their music yeah. and be like, someday that'll be me. I was like, what am I supposed to be doing right what? now? You know, and I would be like wearing a horizontally striped <laughs> You're shirt. Like, I yeah, am like, in this. Yeah, yeah, I am in this right now. Um, but yeah, those two, you know, they're amazing because I think they know that, and which is really a cool mm-hmm. thing to absorb, but not, like, it hasn't made them arrogant at all. It's just made them feel responsible to the community. Anyway, shout out to those friends. They're amazing. Um, yeah, we love Tegan and Sarah. Also, as a side question, I guess, do you feel to like I I know you, of course I know that you're right that there is more representation and more different voices and and accurate mm-hmm. pronouns and like dresses on people who were assigned mm-hmm. male at birth you know like just like there's a lot of gender fuckage and things are different but I also don't know mm-hmm. you know things are different in the comedy world I still feel often pretty isolated within my field as a queer person you know, so oh, I yeah. think what I'm wondering is, like, mm-hmm. even if that has changed for the consumer, you know, or for, like, somebody who wants to mm-hmm. listen to music, does that does that feel – do you feel like you have contemporaries or people that you can talk to who are having similar experiences? I, I don't necessarily in my field. I, I usually find it a little easier outside of my field. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think what I, when I say there's so much more representation – doesn't mean that the hurdles are gone. Doesn't mean the isolation is gone. Doesn't mean that we're creating in a structure that is not necessarily built for us. And that's kind of what I was saying about that post I I did on my Instagram about how like we're, you know, the consumers, we're trying to fit in this box, but everything you make is outside of the box. And then somehow you get wrapped up trying to feed the box again. And it's like, well, I was never in the box to begin with, you know? And so um, is there more representation? Are there more artists out there that, you know, we're able to reach out and be like, hey, like, great work, like, keep up the great work? Yes. But do I think that every one of those artists are battling massive mountains? Absolutely. Um, I'm still battling massive mountains. Um, uh, you know, I think that when you're, creating something out, like I said, outside of the box or it feels new and then there's no template. It's like, okay, well, here's the template to get here, but you are over here and you don't fit in that template. So I don't know how to help you unless you, you know, enter this template and you're just like, okay. And it's, I, you know, I talk about it to my therapist a lot. It's like frustrating because it's just, it never gets easy And I think um, that's just a part of life. I think when you're different and you're not, you know, feeding the white hetero, you know, male narrative, you know, it's challenging, period, end of story. And I think that you have to work 10 times harder 
um, and be persistent and not give up. And it's, it's, it's tiring. I think, I think I'm sure my other colleagues like in the industry feel that way. And it comes off easy because we end up releasing this music and we end up releasing these music videos, but there's so many, so much politics behind it. So much like, I mean, I definitely face a lot of pushback in the industry. I have a lot of support, but I definitely face a lot of pushback because it's like people say they're allies and they say, we love the gays and we love this and they throw a rainbow on it. But it's like to actually put that into action and to actually finance that idea and to believe in that idea and change the narrative and to see queer people win, like whether it's on screen, whether it's on the radio, um, anywhere, it's still challenging. And um, (laughs) that just takes that just takes time. And I think I'm sure you feel the same way in your field. And, you know. There'll always be, you know, four steps ahead and six steps back. And, you know, it's this constant back and forth thing. It's screw. That's why it's great to have a podcast like this because, you know, people can listen to it and, and find, find people that can relate to them. And I think that that, that is what's so great about social media is, is being able to connect to people that you can't physically see. Actually, this is this is something I just wanted to like definitely make sure to ask you, and I think we can put it in right here, which is this. Brandy, your style is awesome. <laughs> well, I don't think I've ever heard that said to me. That is not a sentence I ever thought. Let's uh-huh. get, just gonna I, have a moment of silence for uh, eight-year-old yeah, Brandy. Just, Someone yeah. just said, Brandy, your style is awesome. And yeah, it. your style is awesome. Um I am very curious because so I've seen photos of you where you're like on a red carpet or, you know, I follow you on stuff too. And I see the things that you post where you're wearing like a fancy look. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm thinking about like, especially in your field, first of all, like just in general, for folks like us that might want to wear a suit as a fancy look, there aren't a ton of examples of that. Certainly not in the music industry, certainly not like um, as a you know, extension of you. But I get this question all the time when I'm on the road. I don't like a lot of times people will ask me like, where do you get your suits? Or how do you have the confidence to wear that? Or like, this is a real question. Um, anyway, it's just something I really respond to in when you're wearing a fancy outfit. It feels um, very beautiful for me to see because you look great and you look like Thanks. yourself. Thank you. And I'm curious about, like, your evolution on that, if you could talk about that a little bit. Like, is it comfortable for you now? Did it used to be comfortable? I mean, I've been through such a gender evolution in my life. And I'll start at the end, and I'll say that I have a stylist, uh, Mariam Kapoor, who gets me. And she got me right away. And it was it was scary because I I didn't, I never met her until I got nominated for all those Grammys in 2019. And I knew I had to kind of up my game a little bit to because I had always envisioned myself at the Grammy since I was like eight years old and I was like what would I wear and I was like well I guess I'd have to wear a dress and I guess I'd have to bring my mom and that's what you do you know you wear a dress and you bring your mom um so that's that's the that's how it ended it ended with Miriam seeing me understanding who I was and also who I was with Catherine and getting 
the two of us and what the two of us are together as a couple, which is a whole other story and really um, profoundly important aesthetically for, I think, a lot of queer people. Yeah. I mean, I even just want to mark this for a moment in saying that I think, like, if you don't work in an industry that has access to this, something like a stylist might seem like, oh, well, then that person's just making decisions for you based on you. But I... But that's even hard to, to, it's even hard to find somebody who might have a reference point for what we might be talking about or to, yeah, or to yeah, like really point. see what you're saying. So I just want to add that like, that's not easy either. You know, f- putting yourself no. out there as a queer person or, and being like, this is what I want to wear. Mm-hmm. Can you make this happen? Like, even that is, it's actually a risk, you know? Well, the stylist thing, it's, it's, a, there's a couple of reasons for it for people that don't, um, maybe have context around like what what that person does. I mean, for one thing, clothes are really expensive and the stylist comes around with a whole bunch of them that you can borrow for free, <laughs> which is great. So like you have all these options of things that you can wear to go down a red carpet or show up to an event that you got to kind of give back later. But um, it's nice because, you know, not everybody can g- go into those stores and and throw down that kind of that kind of cash for for outfits so it seems kind of extravagant but it's kind of can be the opposite at times Mm -hmm. plus they understand like in a big picture way maybe with with what the music sounds like or with what how you're wearing your hair right now or with the way that you walked in the way that you're feeling in your body they understand how to capture you in this moment and i think that for queer people that can be really fluid and it can change and it certainly has in my life so when I came out of the closet when I was 14, 15 years old, I really saw myself, I really felt very masculine, very male. I wanted to be in boys' clothes and I wanted to have really short hair and I wanted to, I wanted for people to not really be able to tell whether or not I was um, a boy or a girl. And I actually didn't want to be skinny. I kind of wanted to be like a little stockier and stuff like that. And it was just like this kind of place that I was in uh, in my teenage years. And I kind of am proud of that time. And I look back on it in my, in my little high school yearbook pictures. And I look exactly like, you know, John Mayer's high school yearbook <laughs> pictures. And, you know, and then I sort of moved out of that for a while and felt really feminine, felt like in the other direction. And I tried, you know, I wore dresses at my sister's wedding and I curled my hair and grew it out and started to get interested in makeup. And and then I went back the other direction for a little while. And I had just really been able to like live in motion, you know, with my gender presentation and, and, and with my queerness. Yeah, no, that's that's been the way it's at. And where I'm at right now is probably where I'll always be. You were saying that there has been, um, I cannot remember the word you used. It was like evolution or um fluidity or like a, a rolling nature to your expression of yourself yeah exactly like it's a rolling nature yeah i wouldn't even want to use the word evolution because that sort of implies one direction or an improvement of sorts but that's mm-hmm, not been the mm-hmm. case at all it's just been um that i've been in a lot of different places and and i've i've kind of always felt like i could step into my skin wherever that was at any given time whether it was influenced by a relationship or just some you know, situation in my life. Um, and I think that that's probably because, like, um, my first understandings of sort of fashion and style and 
kind of gender presentation came from Elton John, Elvis Presley, and the Grand Ole Opry. That was what I believed that fashion was. So I was never absolutely to feel or look normal ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I guess there's a couple things. First of all, I I know this thing that you're, I mean, I, I feel that I have changed my understanding. My understanding of myself has changed over time. I don't, what I hear is like this amazing ease with it that's hard for me, you know, as mm-hmm. I hear you yeah. talking about it and you're like, I'm able to accept myself, you know, as I am or as things roll along. I'm like, Brandy, teach me your ways because I feel <laughs> for me, change is really hard. And even when the change right. is me, you know, when it's not like, I think we, we often talk about that, like it is external to us, but, but yeah, my understanding of myself has changed. I think my first, well, first, I mean, number one, definitely my first fashion inspo is Mary Stuart Masterson's character <gasps> in Fried Green Tomatoes. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's absolutely my baseline. Well, you could never life. have gone wrong then. You had it right from, yeah, from the get. That's, that's my baseline. Yeah. But then when I think about um, outside of that, it's a lot of, uh, yeah, it's a lot of dudes in music. Yeah. Actually. Totally. Same. Yeah. But, but I, I mean, um, I, I definitely was inclined towards dudes in music that presented gender fluidity and, and also just eccentricity. Like, just take the mm-hmm. risks. Just be crazy. And, you know, I don't think that Elton John ever fancied himself, like, particularly attractive or that his job was to... M- make people attracted to him um and i i sort of felt the same way like i wanted to make people laugh and make people feel entertained and make people feel like what i was wearing was a message to them that i knew tonight was a big deal like hey i know you got a babysitter that's really interesting yeah i I think that's really interesting because i feel like i guess i would imagine that there's like a lot of pressure to be like a like sexy as just a musician in general, just because that's mm-hmm. like such a thing that we think about as a factor for, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. rock stars. I know. I don't know why. I think <laughs> like, when I say, El- I mean, I was so uh, worryingly obsessed with Elton John. Like there wasn't, a, <laughs> there wasn't a square inch of my wall that didn't have an Elton John picture on it. Like it was covered with Elton John from the time I was like 11. And, you know, he was a duck sometimes. And sometimes he was the queen of England. And Right. Sometimes, sometimes he was a duck. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes he was a baseball player. And, <laughs> but yeah. he was he was never uh, he was never dismissive of the audience and in, in what he wore. Like and I love grunge music, but I would have never come out on stage in a T-shirt or a flannel shirt because I would have never mm-hmm. wanted anybody to think anything other than. Wow, this is huge for me. I'm so grateful to be here. Ba-ba-da-da, you know, just like wow. drama, theatrics. So yeah, yeah, I love that. Being sexy never really came into it. I found other ways for that, other things for that. Well, I have many questions about what those things are, but I will also <laughs> add that uh well, actually, here's a question. Have you gotten to either meet or work with Sir Elton? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, both things. I talked to him. We did a FaceTime this morning because we got a new kitten. We 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 check Shut in with Elton up. about everything we do. Yeah. He's like our our um fairy godfather. How is that? How is that change in your life? How is that? How is how does it feel to um you know be able to have that mutual respect and like actual personal relationship with somebody that was so important to you? 
it's surreal, man. It's like life is just extremely mystical. I never would have ever been able to fathom that that was, you know, going to be my life is that I was going to one day like be friends with Elton John, you know, when I was just this weird little kid, like in a small town, like trailer, just like obsessed with Elton John and thinking that I would never meet him one day. And if, you know, the people at my church were right, I wouldn't even meet him in heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else made you a weird little kid? I was a weird little kid. I bet you were. Oh, you yeah. still seem like a weird little kid. <laughs> compliment. 100%. That's a yeah. compliment. Hundred <laughs> percent. What made yeah. you a weird little kid? Oh my god! At truly every choice I made every day. Same. Yeah. You know, like I just there's like a there's this Halloween photo that I found when I was I was like writing a book about my life. I had to look through all these photos. I don't. I would never have found this otherwise. I don't even know how I forgot about this, but it's like Halloween. I'm like in sixth grade or something. My two friends are dressed as one of them is dressed as like a sock hop girl from the 60s, like a poodle skirt on. Sure. One of them is dressed as Judy Jetson with like iridescent, you know, skirt on. And I am dressed as Garfield with a full plush Garfield suit that is like it has hand covers it has shoe covers it has a giant head and in the center of Garfield's mouth is my face like just smiling <laughs> sitting between these two people like you're like is... how did I have friends yeah like they're like we all are like this feels like our our genuine self-expression you know mm-hmm. so yeah it was true true oddball for yeah. sure yeah I get it so many of us are just misfits You're the way that you're dressed right now is um, gender nonconforming or whatever for like for whatever phrasing we want to use. Um, and was that when you were when did you give yourself permission to do that always in life? Or was there a, a moment where you felt like you could dress in the way that you wanted to? Oh, jeez. Oh, I don't, I mean, it's still, I, I don't know. It's still, uh, it's still a, like, journey and a conversation, and it's sort of always shifting, and I don't, you know, some, I, I don't, That that's the thing about gender is, like, I don't, uh, I don't really believe, like, I don't, I don't believe in it because, <laughs> because it, <laughs> It just changed. It's so mutable and it like is constantly changing. And it's like sometimes I want to be more like femme and sometimes I fucking don't want to be. And and so it's like, why, you know, so I can't really, I, I don't, so I don't know that there's a phrase. I guess gender nonconforming is cool. My friend Jeremy likes to say gender floral. Which yeah, I like. absolutely. I like for me, gender fuckage. I like that yeah. a lot, you know. Yeah, um, but I don't know. I guess it started like I like when I was in like like high school and college. I was very like, but I was like, I was trying to be like kind of like act, act not effeminate so that I could like go on like get laid and go, go on dates with guys because it was it was told to me that like that's what you have to do. And then at a certain point, I was like, fuck that. I'm going to be as 
baggy and as gay as I possibly can. And so I just went the other way with it. And so I guess that was like, and that's when I started to get into drag. I was like, I want to go to the, I want to indulge this sort of instinct within me that is effeminate and sort of, and, and gay. And so I did. And that I fell into drag. Yeah, that's also interesting because I don't know that I think like in a post in a post like drag race world, I don't know that younger folks like folks who are like if that's their first exposure to queerness, for instance, mm-hmm. I don't know that they will know about this thing that you're talking about. Maybe they will. But where um, uh, like to butch it up was was very that thing that you're talking about, about like to get laid, I had to butch it up. I mean, I, yeah. I would love to talk about more about that for a second. Cause I feel like it's something that as a community, as we're talking more about like a spectrum of gender, I feel like we're not talking about that as much, but it was, I mean, I definitely know what you're talking about and remember that idea of like giant muscles and like, uh, yeah. Like masculinity being super prized. What, what age were you when that was happening when you were like getting those messages um i mean you know 18 19 20 21 and what were you trying to do like what what were you trying to wear or be or be interested in i don't know i guess it was just like trying to like control my mannerisms very like Mm -hmm. fucking you know very uh nathan lane and the birdcage it was very like Trying to like, and of course, even in trying to do that, I was still failing at it because I ultimately like, I can't, I I can't do it, even if I try. (laughs) Um, uh, But I, you know, just trying to like, you know, calm down the clothes, nothing too like flashy, um, calm down the, the mannerisms, the, the, the speaking. It's like, and eventually I would, I just felt so like repressed and oppressed by that. I was like, fuck, fuck that. And the funny thing is once I did that, once I said, fuck that bullshit, then I started like, really having like great relationships and great you know uh dalliances with with people who really like saw me and really got me and so ultimately that's going to be better like in intimacy anyway than if you're like trying to i don't know be something else yeah yeah absolutely i feel like i'm still trying to i mean at this point in my life even still trying to figure out what I'm supposed to wear and how I'm supposed to be in the world because uh, I don't know. What is the like mask of center cheetah print leotard? I That's what I need. That's what I need. I need the, I need the opposite side of the coin that you're doing. Um, and anyway, I feel like it's, well, when I look at something like Drag Race or you, when I look at you, you know, like in culture, I just think you're giving so many people permission to mm. be the person that they are. Um, and I, I feel like I can't always identify who is giving me permission. Like, I mean, number one, I could just give it to myself, but I don't always have mm-hmm. like aspirational people that I can look to and go like, I mean, I think Lena Waithe looks amazing all the time. Who else looks amazing? I can't, I, I my list is short. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um I guess I want to ask you about so you started dating you started dating started 
doing where were you where were you when you started geographically when you started doing i was drag? in pittsburgh i went to ah. school at, at the university of pittsburgh and it was toward the end like i was i was involved in theater and then i was like then i was like getting into drag and it was like at that point drag was very underground it was not you know it was sort of like it was sort of like my roommate it was like the bane of my roommate my roommate's existence <laughs> because drag is messy and it's wild and it's da- it would i was it was dangerous it was like you know like um it was certainly not a viable career choice it was sort of like i was i was like i was throwing away you know like like, oh, you're going to throw away your life and go do drag? Like, you, you know, it was not what it is now, which is like, oh, now it's like a career path. Totally. <laughs> it's just baffling to me. That is wild. Yeah, that's a massive change. <laughs> also, Pittsburgh is beautiful. Um, so beautiful. Which is so weird. I don't know why I didn't ever... Just just saying that, Just I'm just saying that as a public service announcement to the listeners of the podcast, because I didn't know that until a few years ago. And I it drove really in there is. for a show uh, and was like, wait, what? <laughs> I did it's not... beautiful and fun beautiful. and fierce. I love it. Yeah. When you were first performing there, what size community? You know, were you one of a few? Is there Was there like a vibrant scene at the time? Well, that's the thing about drag is like anywhere you go. even at that time anywhere you went there were drag queens like drag was happening it we didn't have a tv show it we didn't have i mean really i guess a little bit of the internet but even before the internet like drag was happening it was going on and um because it's like a necessary thing for the community you know like we needed so it was like so i would get to know very organically the drag queens who were in town like that's how it worked it was like i went and i did a a contest show and i met some queens that way and then it you know it continued that way and then you know we were friends and then we were sisters and yeah yeah. well also you're right Of, of course it was happening and i i do think that i was thinking about when you said that you missed bars earlier like mm. that was one of the first things you said you missed. Mm-hmm. And I it's uh that's also specific, I think, to what you're talking about, because I th- I mean, I'm, I think now you perform mostly in theaters. Is that true? Do you mostly perform in theaters now or sometimes? Perform uh, in theaters? It's been so long. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> well, you I don't mostly know. Perform yes. in your house right now. You perform <laughs> in, in my house. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. Um, yeah. theaters i also fucking love nightclubs and i love i love bars so you know a little of yeah a little of all of it yeah i i was gonna say that i think to my knowledge anyway and the first the first time i saw drag so like in provincetown people there would be drag queens performing in theaters but outside of provincetown it was bars and, and nightclubs and you're competing with um like all manner of screaming, all manner of people getting drinks, all manner mm-hmm. of people hooking up. Um, mm-hmm. I, like I went to those shows when I was first performing myself. Sometimes I would have, I actually sometimes did sets at those shows, which honestly, that's, what a terrible experience. <laughs> that's terrifying. 
<laughs> don't yeah. do that. Nobody, don't do that to yourself. Why was anybody booking me? I just was like at the place where you had to say yes to everything, and I'd be like, "I guess," and you know, like I like, oh my, God. put on my like vest and bow tie, and was just like, people are like, "We don't want to see this," and I'm like, "No, I agree," <laughs> but I am making fifty dollars, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna tell the jokes. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's a that's a sort of a rowdy. Yeah, that's like a rowdy version of, I guess I was going to ask if you still have that, if you still have that like rowdy out there in the mix version of performing this or if that's changed at all. Yes, I do. And that's why, you know, that's why I gravitated toward drag because it sort of goes a step beyond theater in, in a sort of like, you know, the theater is like, there's a strict delineation. It's like when you're on stage, you're in your costume, you're in your character and you do your thing. And then the curtain comes down. You take off. You you are never to wear your your costume out into the world. That is forbidden in the theater. In drag, it's like I come right off stage. I'm still in it. The, The line is completely broke. I'm at the bar getting it. You know, it's like it like completely shatters that like strict delineation, which I liked, you know, and I, you know, I love theater and I love the rules of it, but drag was very like, there are no, there are no rules. The, the thing you saw on stage is suddenly like in the parking lot, getting, getting in the car, you know, <laughs> like <Yeah>. loading <laughs> suitcases into the trunk. Yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> or I mean, in, in, Provincetown specifically, that's a very funny uh, uh, place to see drag queens because folks flyer for their own shows. And so there's just there are just folks in the middle of the street uh, or riding a bicycle around. Have you do you perform yeah. there ever? Have you ever performed there? I've never I'm the, uh, as gay as I am. I've never been to Provincetown. <gasps> it's it's on my list of things I must do like soon. I really want to go because it's like a super gay place. It is a super gay place. It's also it's the it's at the end of the state of Massachusetts. And I remember the first time that I went there (laughs) when I was like in college because I went to college in Boston. It is funny to 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 think about like the 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 gays just like continuing to move to the edge. Like if there's we couldn't go any further along that state, we would fall into the ocean. yeah. People being like, please leave us alone. Let us right. live our lives. Let us be gay, please. Well, there's uh, no reason you need to travel through here. This yeah. is um <laughs> actually that is the first place I ever saw a drag queen. I was there, I was there with my I don't know why. I had it, I have an aunt who lives in Boston who we all went to see her. My whole family, grandparents are there. Grandparents from rural Ohio are there. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, she and her husband convinced us that Provincetown was mostly known as an artist colony, which it is an artist colony, yeah. but it's also their gay place. And the, I think I was yeah. I think I was like 10 or 11 when we took the ferry over and there um I do remember walking with my entire family behind somebody who was in full dragon wearing assless chaps. I guess you don't need to say assless. You can just say chaps and wearing chaps with nothing underneath. And Work. just being like, I I've never even seen an ass before. Let alone right. let alone this on display. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 